Welcome to episode number 173 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording on August the 14th, 2022. My name is Eric, host of the show, based in southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and of course, computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, I'm a hermit from Vancouver Island, and I'm currently exiled to the city. <laughs> hey everybody, I'm Brad, I'm in Eastern Ontario, I consider myself a part-time amateur prepper, constantly trying to better myself. Hey guys, I'm Scott, yes for real, uh, all someone had to do was say wood gas fire three times and all my worries about fragile infrastructure would be available to you. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm Darius. I'm a full-time mag leader and avid prepper based out of southern Alberta. Hi, I'm Dave. I live in Ontario. I have uh, been an enthusiast of the outdoors for uh, most of my life. About 10 years ago, I decided, um, as I looked at the world around me, that uh, there wasn't any way that uh, we could continue to rely on the government and... Uh, in our society, I, I, I noticed was taking a decline, so I decided to start homesteading and prepping. Welcome to our group of friends. Yes, welcome. Uh, Want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air? Buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and tactical Velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to give us a like on Facebook and to submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good, bad, or just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some mutually beneficial content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with some recent news articles, then we'll let you know what we've done for our own preparedness since the last episode. And then we're going to get into the main topic, building and maintaining a uh, mutual assistance group. So let's move into the news, shall we? So I have uh, one bit of news. It's off of Newsweek. Um, so apparently there's been some research at a couple different facilities down in the States that are going through fusion energy and trying to make a sustainable energy resource. They were able to create uh, 1.3 megajoules of energy in the space of a couple nanoseconds. Um, the only issue with that is they're trying to figure out how to harness that electricity as it's created so that it can be used and transferred to you know our everyday lives and the power that we use. If they can get it running properly, the only byproduct of this fusion is... Um, helium, which apparently is a resource the world is currently running out of. So we'll be able to turn hydrogen into helium. Sounds interesting. interesting. Yeah. One of the, one of the problems that has come up with this, apparently, is some of the uh, fusion reactors need tritium as seed material. Uh, which is an incredibly short supply. And apparently, can-do reactors are one of the few sort of devices that actually produce tritium. So that might actually be really good for Canada going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been lots of talk about that uh, Lenner systems, the low energy nuclear reaction and stuff. And yeah, it's new technology they're all trying to get a hold of and perfect, but they'll probably end up blowing up a few things first before 
it's you know, worked out, I'm sure. In good human fashion, right? Obviously. Yeah, so of well, course. Which will lead us to our another nuclear preparedness episode and all that stuff. But anyway. More um, good content. Yeah. Speaking of uh, flammable items, we'll the, the uh, Russians started now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Russians are continuing to uh, tighten the gas taps in Europe. So uh, I just had a little article here, a CNBC video, I guess it was. Where they're just talking about how it's going to affect uh, European economies and you know ability to heat this winter and stuff. They figure by December fifth, um, there's going to be some people complaining about the the internal building temperatures because of uh, gas supplies running short in Central Europe. Anyway, so uh, interesting video to watch. The link will be in the show notes. Can I have to check that out? Yeah. Uh, so I have a news article in here talking about a, a survey. Don't freak out yet. Uh, saying more than 50% of Americans expect there to be a civil war within the next quote unquote few years. And it was a well done survey done by uh, researchers at uh, University of California, Davis. And quite interesting, well done, and just sort of looking at political violence and that kind of thing. And I'm not getting into politics, that's a whole different CPP. But. In terms of looking at the potential for a massive disruption to, you know, if you think supply chains were bad with COVID, if, if the U.S. were in civil war, I'm pretty sure we're not getting our uh, Mexican avocados anytime soon. Um, so just it's it's something that's on my radar. So well, I don't think you need to have a kinetic civil war to have a civil war either. Like, I mean, I think you in today's day and age, there's not going to be like a Mason Dixon line and, you know, red or blue versus gray and, you know, shooting cans each other. I think you're going to see a lot more neighborhood to neighborhood problems. And like you said, so affecting supply chain or manufacturing ability or something, because if somebody torches a factory they don't agree with or whatever, yeah, it could be a lot more localized than, than regional, I think. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, the, the potential for disrupting the huge amount of product that we get uh, from the, from the States, be it food product manufactured, whatever, um, it's, it's a giant potential problem. So the fact that 50% of them or over 50% of Americans are worried about this tells you something. Cool. Oh, this is true. Well, shall we uh, move into what we've done lately for preps? All right. I'm going to pretend to be Ian and talk about all the different things because <laughs> I've been <laughs> off for a few weeks. So I was at work and there was a car pulled over and it was at a gas one, had a jerry can. So we just kind of stopped behind his little back block. And this cute little woman in stilettos wasn't really sure how to operate the gas can. And two guys walked up presumably because she was a cute little girl in stilettos. And they didn't know how to use a jerry can either. They were going to pull the nozzle out and try and use it as a funnel to pour in. So, yeah. No, I wish I was. I mean, we just kind of stopped behind to sort of, so traffic go around and like, you know, sort of, we're a big vehicle. It's easy to see us. Um, But at that point we had to jump out and intercede because I didn't want to watch someone go up in flames because that would be a lot of work <laughs> moral of the story is we sort of take it for granted that some of the skill set that we talk about here is common knowledge and it's not so common sense is not very common that it is not it's a superpower <laughs> uh, other stuff I've done I've been playing around trying to set up a uh, radio comm network for my mag uh, just playing around with some FRS 
uh, radios and sort of seeing what we can accomplish um, person to person, even if we have to do a relay system because we don't have good line of sight between two of us. If sort of amongst our, our local gang, we can all chat. I figure that'd be useful. Um, exactly. Um, uh, not everyone, unfortunately, has uh, have radio licenses, so this is some way we can just communicate with whomever, and it's obviously really easy to find equipment when you can just walk down to your Canadian Tire and grab one. Um, I ordered some USB rechargeable batteries. Uh, we'd had a discussion about this online, and uh, I thought it was kind of cool that I'd ordered them a week or two ago. Um, so I think they're, you know, a lovely. Uh, system. During that discussion, we started talking about this dynamo charger that I have. Just a little hand crank charger puts out uh, USB power, and you can charge pretty much anything with it. Not an iPhone, ironically. You need to charge a battery to charge the iPhone. It's a little finicky. Um, the interesting thing was that within our discussion group here, so with some of our panelists, uh, you know, this was sort of a neat thing that people hadn't heard of before. So it, it goes to the point of this entire podcast talking about uh, these little ideas that you might not know about and just sort of sharing this knowledge. So I believe Rapid Survival sells a radio that has a little dynamo hand crank that you can use to, to charge um, charge your phone, charge USB batteries, whatever. Um, so I think that's a fantastic thing. And it's, you know, if if you're in a situation where you have a lot of time on your hands or a long walk, it's a great fidget thing and you got power going. It doesn't need sunlight, it can work indoors. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. One other thing I did is I hosted a, an outdoor movie night. Um, got a little projector screen set up and played, uh, played a cartoon movie and did uh, campfire and s'mores. And I realize it doesn't sound like prepper stuff, but when you look at, uh, I mean, Alan has said it so many times, you know, that, that boredom can be just deadly. Um, I think the last two years, uh, two and a half years, have taught everyone that having a little bit of normalcy is really nice. And in the event that, uh, that the world goes sideways, if you can have your, your mag over and your neighbors over and meet people because you're hosting a movie night and it gives people that little sense of normal, I think that is an invaluable asset. So um, I think it's it's a great thing to add to your mag, hypothetically. Did we talk, did we talk about your, your, your post-apocalyptic business plan? One of them was movie projections, I think. Uh, obviously, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, sort of. Along the battery charge or the iPhone charging and everything else, it's, yeah, it's going to be honest Scott's house of electricity and it's going to be awesome. The other side of the uh, the movie night is it brings community together if everybody knows, and now you can start networking and see where somebody can help somebody else, and you can make some deals. You know, kids watching a movie, husbands and wives off doing something else, making small talk and getting to know each other, and everybody's having a good time at a mutually agreed upon place. And for my, you know, to to run it, the the cost is negligible. Um, even, I assume you know, you're using your gasifier. A lot, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's sort of in downtimes. Like, I've sort of planned this to be a very low-energy, high-yield event where people are going to enjoy it. Um, historically, you look at the Great Depression, and movies did quite well during the Great Depression because it was that little bit of escapism that people just needed. And, you know, if we're doing it here just for family and friends and to make some s'mores over the campfire, amazing. If it's sort of this social event that people are looking forward to all week, amazing. 
you know, I, I really don't see a downside to it. So anyway, it was a lot of fun, and I think it was a very valuable prep. Nice. I will agree with that. I have a projector myself. I have an outdoor uh, Bluetooth speaker. I have my own battery box. I don't need a generator to run everything on it, and the battery box doubles as a stand to hold the the computer and or the uh, the projector on it, and I can move the speaker a little further away to give a better sound quality and whatnot. And I think it's a really good idea. We've done that a couple of times here. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. The um, the little projector I have, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a more powerful one, but the nice thing is it runs on 12-volt DC. So I can just oh, sweet. plug it directly to a battery rather than having to do a generator or a battery pack inverter. I mean, you always lose power anytime you do a conversion. So if you just go 12 volts straight in, I can play that for days. Or you nice. could get a couple of your hook cows to hook up to the bicycle and have to like pedal really fast to like <laughs> charge up. The... <laughs> Never mind. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, I, uh, I have done nothing for my preps. I am getting ready for my East Coast trip, and that in itself is enough. It's been keeping me busy getting things cleaned up around the, the house and getting things packed and ready to go and whatnot. And, yeah, so I've been busy doing that. Huh, nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm going to follow up with uh, the zero answer as well. Uh, spent the last week getting everything kind of cleaned up at work and packed away because uh, I'm off now for uh, two months on parental leave. So yeah, lots of time now to do uh, some preps and get everything lined up. But for the last week, nothing. Seems we have a consensus. I'm at the zero mark pretty much as well. Uh, yeah, I was at home for a grand total of 12 hours last week, of which I've spent eight of them sleeping. So really, I had enough time to, like, kiss the dog and pet the wife. Is that backwards? <laughs> or did I? I don't know. Maybe that's not backwards. I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving along. Uh, yeah, oh, so boy. I have been trying to find an alternate uh, location for the uh, the daughters that are trying to attend university because the place they're in right now isn't acceptable and certainly doesn't work for me as an ultra backup device uh, for a certain thing. So, but again, trying to find rentals in Vancouver right now is trying to like you know get on that last plane out of Af Af Afghanistan again. Like there's bidding wars for rentals right now, and I'm like, homie, don't play wow. that. So, wow. I've been missing out on a lot of rentals. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did have a, a solar-powered crank radio as well, but the first thing that broke was the crank a long time ago, so I kind of you know forgot all about those things. And when Scott mentioned the, those hand-crank dynamos, I was like, ooh, wizardry. So I, I may have ordered a couple as well. So they're on the way eventually from China, and the port's open, and the war ends, and whatever. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, so dynamos on the way. That's pretty much the entire uh, point of my week of preps. Suppose I'll have to pick up a little bit of the slack here for this week. Um, I did a little <laughs> bit of ammo prep, uh, spent a good chunk of this week avoiding the uh, 28, 29, 30, 32 degree weather up here. And then I helped a mag member to gear up for a solo uh, scouting and camping trip that he's going to be doing this coming weekend. So he'll be heading up into the edge of the mountains, kind of looking around at a couple different routes that we're looking into. Hopefully he filed a, a, a hiking plan with you as to where he's going and stuff. Yeah, full plans and everything, full map. We went over all the maps, and he's bringing radios and such with him. Ah, good. Very nice. All right, with that, shall we move into the main topic?
So we led into this week's topic really, really well last week. Um, having a group and a people with different sets of skills who are able to assist when things are needed um, is all about having a mag. Um, I have, or I lead what's called, what I like to call a nested mag. So I have a six person team who I actively prepare, train, and who gears up with me. And then we have an outer ring of about nine other people who are all actively assisting each other all the time. Little do they know that they're part of my mag. As far as everybody else is concerned, they're part of my family. So I'll go into this. What is a mag for anybody who doesn't know? I was lucky to get into prepping and creating my own mag at 19. So I've been doing it for quite a long time now. And most people in my group don't even know what the term means. It's a mutual assistance group, just putting it simply. To be honest, when most people think of the term mag, um, they think of a group of people running around in military camo doing drills out in fields from what I've talked to. Everybody I've talked to about it, that's the first picture that comes to mind, and they're automatically going, well, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be on a thousand watch lists from the government. And well, then it yeah. has to, I have to... Go ahead. I was going to say, especially since militias are technically not, not legal in Canada, right? So, yeah, you can't really say, hey, we're starting our own militia today. And that's, yeah, guaranteed watch list material. Yep. So. Terrible idea. <laughs> not the world's best idea but yeah like i mean a, a non-militarized you know uh, i guess self not self-sufficiency but yeah aid group is is perfectly fine so a group of like-minded individuals who happen to be friends who like to go out and practice preparedness things yeah exactly so the boy scouts <laughs> for adults close enough yeah, Pierre, Adam, live, close enough. Pierre in the uh, live chat does have a, a valid question here. Is it a requirement for MAG members to have multiple can openers, or is that just a Brad thing? <laughs> well, uh, did you guys ever watch that uh, original Antonio Bendis movie, Desperado, when that, yeah, Danny Trejo is dressed up as the knife guy, and he's got like 40 knives down his chest there, and he's ready to start throwing? It's like, yes. yeah, can, can openers. Just Absolutely. <laughs> the hero of can openers is hey, yeah, confident man. If, if the group, if your mag can't open a can of beans, you are a much needed supply, <laughs> supplier yeah, at that just, point. Just have it, that's what Molly Loops are for, right? Just to put the can Absolutely. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I have well, a friend. You just I have a friend who's uh, altering my trench coat as we speak. <laughs> Nice. Oh. So you just need to you just need mm. to invite somebody who can do uh, Tupperware sales into your group. Tupperware carries can openers. Oh God! <laughs> cool oh, thing boy. about them is that they actually don't cut open the cans; they remove the factory glue seal, so there's no sharp edges. Yeah. Interesting, Interesting bit for you. <laughs> I must research. So <laughs> I'll send you a link later. Um, so we started off really simple when I built my mag, and I'm actually going to use what Scott said earlier as an example now, because it turns out absolutely perfectly, inviting people over to a campfire, or just having a group of people over to your house for dinner, or what have you, and helping them out. 
it's all I did to start off my mag and developing the relationships before I got anybody else involved with prepping. After I had gathered with, you know, the group of people who I was interested in having in my mag multiple times, family dinners, campfires out in the backyard, just hanging out and talking about whatever happened to come to mind. I started asking each individual person, what do they have for hobbies or is there anything they're interested in learning? I took the initiative to help develop whatever they were trying to do. Um, first of my friends who I had asked, um, he said that he'd been interested in trying out leather work for a number of years. So I took the opportunity to gather up some leather that I had had sitting in my basement for the better part of two years because I had wanted to try working in the exact same way. And like so many other projects, it just got thrown onto the back burner because I didn't have the time to deal with it. So I threw that to him amassed a bunch of tools from other people who had previously tried the endeavor of working with leather. And I passed him the entire package saying here, now you have some stuff to work with your leather. Can you make me a pouch to go on my belt? In my case, he's... humongous outfit. No, okay. in my case, it's actually a little, um, eight shot three Oh eight holder for hunting. Nice. Yeah. So, and since I gave him that project, he's being hard at work on it, just developing how to work with leather. He's trying out all the uh, stamping techniques with it, dyeing and water forming, and turning it really cool. Yeah, kind of like the so, original uh, Kydex setup, right? Yeah, very similar. And he's doing all kinds of different designs and having a huge bit of fun with it. So every time I run across tools, now I just throw them at him. And now, because of that, he's gaining a skill that in the future could assist me with whatever needs to be done. I started going to everybody who I knew and doing the same thing, whatever they were interested in, and slowly developing their skills. And then reaching out to them every day, asking, you know, is there anything that you need? How's the projects going? Little did they know that by me reaching out to them this way, they're getting used to just a constant interconnection between our entire group. Now, um, the main six of us um, who are part of my full-time prep group, there's barely a single day that we go without touching base with each other, seeing how everybody's going, and we're constantly communicating and training together. Professor Moriarty, I must compliment you. That is absolute genius. <laughs> but it's so true. When you, you look at so much of building a mag is just inventorying the skills of you know the skills and interests of your friends, coworkers, people around you, neighbors. Um, so that yeah, exactly that. When uh, when you need leather work done, you know who to go to. The fact that you are helping helping people develop their own hobbies for your benefit is doubly genius, so kudos. Well, I was actually going to throw in a, a puppet master joke there, but you just went up me there, Scott, with the Professor Moriarty, Moriarty <laughs> reference, so screw you anyway. But, uh, 
Anyway, uh, Pierre has a comment. Uh, you should have gotten assless chaps as a first gig. Um, fun fact, Pierre, all chaps are assless. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you rode a horse, you would know that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fellas, invisible hand of Darius shaping the future. Yeah, no, uh, that's actually, you know, and again, like not making fun of Darius at all because, I mean, that's good leadership, right? I mean, yep. he's he's convincing people to do what he wants them to do and think that it's their idea and basically self-motivate. So that's like leadership in a nutshell right there, right? Like, you know, towards a common goal. So that's, uh, that's beautiful. That was well done. Uh, I'm fairly sure they they all regret it now. (laughs) Well, yeah, but now they're kind of committed, right? And now they're, do they even know that? (laughs) No, but they got the the group pressure to continue to perform. Right. So like if one guy falters, the other guys are going to be like, Hey, where's my assless chaps? Yeah. And then, you know, so there's, there's that group pressure to produce and create for the group, right? So, yeah. I like the whole way and, it started without them even really knowing what was happening. Yeah. And then, yeah, and, just molding the whole group in the one, and all of a sudden, one day, everybody realizes, wait a minute, we're all working as, as a group here. And just to, to kind of run at it and just say, hey, let's, let's start a mutual assistance group out of nowhere. We'll probably freak a lot of people out. But if well, you start agreed. slow like you did and just kind of mold them together and then let them realize what's happened after, I think that's brilliant. I think, quite yeah. frankly, these days, uh, it's so easy. You know, People don't see it as a tinfoil hat anymore. People are like, yeah, the world is kind of going downhill. Maybe it's not a bad idea to get into gardening or whatever. Um, and I find it's very easy to strike up that conversation, find out what people are interested in, and... You know, sort of like my coworker I was getting to know a couple of days ago, like, oh, rebuilding a car just as a skill they wanted to learn. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think because it's so easy to make that sales pitch right now, and one of the things that I do that is, is not quite as good as Professor Moriarty there, um, you know, if I'm giving a Christmas present or something, I'll give like a little intro prepper kind of item like, hey, you know, this is kind of cool. Maybe, yeah, this would be of interest to you. Here's a so dynamo. Just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've given out a lot of those, actually. Yep. Uh, Eric, and sorry, Dave, we don't mean to step on you there. If you have a question, just pipe in. Just over talk us, please. Like, uh, right. For sure. Uh, Eric's got a good question here. Uh, says, uh, how wide of an area would a wide area mag encompass? Like, I mean, like, how far away are the guys in a mag from each other? Like, at least be practical. Um, to answer this, I can give a very, very uh, easy definition. I would almost consider the people who are here in this panel part of a wide area mag ourselves. And we branch from BC to... Ontario, down in the States in some cases. And at any point, I am sure that if I were to, you know, say go from here in Alberta to Ontario, all I'd have to do is pick up our forum or pick up my phone, give one of them a call and say, hey, I'm in the area. Do you mind giving me a hand? One of these guys would, you know, let me know where to show up. That's all it takes. And that's just from our communications here. I 100% agree with you. I, you know, you sort of look at like, okay, what are my bug out plans? If I'm here, if I'm there, uh, you know, yeah. Would this be a waypoint in the middle? Um, to answer the question more directly, sort of in terms of a local uh, mag, in terms of friends, neighbors, people in town, uh, if we end up in a, 
situation where the world is very much human powered. So two feet and a heartbeat or a bicycle. Um, horse. I, horse. Yeah. Uh, I think that is going to sort of help dictate that. But at the same time, if you have radio comms with someone and, uh, you know, it's not practical to travel there back and forth, but all of a sudden you realize you have an asset they need or vice versa, and it's worth making that trek, uh, you know, you need antibiotics and so-and-so, you know, it's more than a day's walk, but you know you need it. So uh, all of a sudden that, that makes it more practical. So. I kind of look at geography in terms of walking distance or biking distance um, in resource limited times. And that sort of helps dictate what I think a mag is with the caveat that, you know, all, all your like-minded friends, wherever they are, are certainly going to be uh, useful at some point if, if you're passing through. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Pierre mentions, uh, Darius, said if you do show up in Eastern Ontario, you have to bring the chaps. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, oh, same thing, like, or myself, like, my, my mag, technically, I mean, with the panelists here, I mean, I do travel across the country for work. So, yeah, if I am in stuck in Halifax or uh, Toronto or something, I know Eric would be like, who are you? Go away. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, you just <laughs> showed up fall, tonight. Like, followed by the racking of a shotgun or something, just yeah. as, as a nice warning. But, yeah, yeah, yeah but, right. <laughs> No, I mean seriously. Yeah, if I had a problem, I'd be like, uh, you know, you put up one of the other CPP guys. You know, they're they're a rough crowd, I tell you. But um, yeah, no, they they, they drop, at the drop of a hat, I'm sure they like help me out if anything required. So or vice versa. I mean, if they found themselves in the middle of nowhere on the island, I would help them. So anyway, yeah. As far as the practicality of a mag and and distance, it's it's really dependent on what your situation is going to be and and where you think you find yourself. Like Ian said, he travels all over the country for work, so. It's practical to have people all over the place. If you just stay in a small area, it's practical to have people close by. It, it really depends on the situation you're you're planning for and the situation that you, you run into daily, right? And it depends what you need out of people. If mm-hmm. you, it's a, yeah, a more more distance that is practical to travel, but you still have comms, yep. you can pass along knowledge quite quite easily. I mean, we we're yep. really live, live in an era where knowledge is is fairly available. So that specific knowledge that you're looking for might be more than a day's walk, but you know it's a two-minute uh, conversation at your scheduled time with your mag uh, discussion group on FRS radios. Yeah, yeah, you can see it even now. I, I suppose mean, this is a with Discord. I mean, how many times will I hop on there and ask you guys a question, and you know, usually within an hour, somebody's answering it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good resource yeah. for sure because exactly. everybody's got different experience and different backgrounds too. So I mean, yeah, like if you if you have Discord's been fantastic as long as you fit remains up. You know, it's it's a great resource, yeah. right? Well, even I'm just I'm just stating like if if things go bad, then yeah, we have the radios to pass on knowledge. I'm just saying is that communication is is a great resource for uh, for for helping each other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I suppose this is a good point to also segue into uh, two other points regarding the mag. Um, the first is that um, when working with a mag, I will add the caveat that to do all of the things that I've done to help develop people's skills, by far is not easy. You have to be constantly thinking about it and be relentless in communicating with people and willing to put in the work on your own. 
I couldn't develop anybody's skills until I had learned what they wanted out of it, gone out of my way to figure out what I could do to help them, and then physically gone to them and said, this is what I have available for you. Here's what I can do to help. And then in building those relationships with them, I've done a lot of other stuff that's just, you know, a phone call away. Hey, I'm available. Is there anything you need a hand with? I've spent weekends underneath another guy's car just to give him a hand, you know, replacing um, parts and draining an oil pan or tilling a garden or painting, you know, a living room just so that I could be there to help them when they needed just an extra hand or somebody to talk to. And by being available myself and spending my time and energy to do that, that's where it built up our relationships. And then the second point is when addressing mags that are close together, mags that are far away, the next thing that always comes up is, well, how much is too big of a mag? How many people should you aim for to have? And the answer to that is as somebody who is bringing this mag together and leading them or being the one who's going out and helping, how much or how many people can you reach out to and be able to help before you no longer have the time or availability? Are you able to still reach out to these people every single day or are you becoming too tied up with one, you know, assistance and help after the next call, after the next call that you can't contact anybody anymore? As soon as you hit that point where it's beyond your ability to communicate with these people, then you need to stop and look at maybe cutting back a little bit. That's fair. Uh, to your first point, Darius, um, I don't look at mags nearly as formally. I look at exactly what you're describing being a good friend to people and helping them out when they need it and them knowing they can count on you, you knowing you can count on them. And even if, you know, that sort of friend, friend group mag, whatever you want to call it, has kind of grown to the point where you can't necessarily check in or be available to help everyone every day. Um, just having that that knowledge base and saying like, oh, I can't help you out, but I know so-and-so has an enclosed trailer. That'd probably be perfect. Why don't you, yeah. And you can just make that introduction and connection. And, uh, you know, you're not trading necessarily on favors for friends. You're sort of just making those introductions. And if that knowledge and that networking uh, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Like, exactly. oh, so-and-so has an interest in leather work or ham radio or whatever. So you can sort of put them in touch, and all of a sudden it, it helps that whole competent man concept of adding skills to the, uh, the entire group or available to the yeah. entire group, I guess. I will also uh, say with that... The amount that I've had to learn just to be able to figure out how to provide other members of my mag with information, whenever I have a conversation with people who are outside of our group now, we get I just have people sitting there going, well, how do you know so much? And my answer to that is I spent a lot of time just 
reading it, just studying it and looking it up as much as I could because I had somebody else ask me a similar question. That's fair. Yes, we got a good point uh, in the live chat from uh, Yup, That's Me. I uh, asks, uh, how would you deal with personality issues? Ah, so that's definitely you something it. you got to think about for, uh, for mags. Well, I think especially like, okay, so not just, uh, you know, wives, but like just even if you already have mag members that are accepted and two mag members, for example, that have the skill sets you're after have a personality conflict. I mean, you don't want to kick both of them out, but you got to deal with that somehow long term and make sure everybody's good, right? Absolutely. And, and there's going to be personality I, conflicts. Let's not kid ourselves. Screw Every you, time. <laughs> Who's this Every time, and I've actually dealt with this in my own mag before, and I actually found a very simple way to do with it, and it's develop team working instances, but don't necessarily have the, the two people who are conflicting work together. Set them on um, teams with other people in your group and give them challenges where the individual groups have to work together to, you know, just give them a, a training scenario or, you know, a what if scenario that, you know, it gives them the chance to think through and work through critically. And by working together, but not being partners with each other, they'll be able to work around each other um, and set aside their differences, at least while, you know, your safety, security, or your challenge, or what have you, whatever scenario you're going through is being dealt with. They don't have to communicate outside of our group. I don't care if they hate each other, but as long as they're willing to work together with us and to set aside their differences when they're around the rest of our mag and the people who we're helping, then I don't mind. I don't expect punch somebody in the nose and just drink a beer afterwards and call it a day. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it's it's no different than dealing with a group of people wherever you are, uh, whether it be workplace or, or mag or, or whatever. Um, even like a sports team or something, there's always going to be personality conflicts and just being able to kind of navigate them and refocus everybody on the mission at hand uh, kind of helps put them back on that track of, yeah, okay, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, bantering back and forth here. Maybe like our personalities are clashing, but if you remind them of the mission at hand, it kind of helps put them back on track, remind them why everybody's together and helps them push past that, uh, that little hiccup. Well, and hopefully that mission becomes really apparent when we all have a common enemy, um, you know, be it Red Dawn or just Mother Nature and we're all trying to survive together and all of a sudden, hopefully the, the petty differences that seem to be an issue during training are less of an issue uh, in the situation. Is this cross matrix blitzing? I knew he was an AI. Like he was an AI <laughs> bot from minute one. Yep. I knew it. Yep. All right. Oh, man. Uh, Talk about okay, personality can... conflicts. I'm going to mute him. <laughs> I think he, he was going to say that uh, they have to wear the Aston's caps until they get along. <laughs> as, a, as a discipline measure. Yeah, it could be. Uh, is everybody yeah. getting that still? Yeah, I'm still getting it. Bad. Ah. There's Brad. Brad. Brad's the robot. Ah, yep. I can't even find <laughs> Okay. Anyway, uh, actually, well, let's take it one step further than Darius. Uh, say you guys can't get along. Uh, you got two members, you can't get along, and you just you know, you make the tough decision. One of the guys has to go, 
have you ever had to gracefully like remove somebody from the mag or just kind of stop associated with them or however you would do it like i haven't had to go through it yet um and i'm hoping that i never will but one of the things that i have done because i'm at the point where i didn't invite anybody into my preps or into my um, close circle of my mag until I considered them all to be family members. And that helps to mitigate that a little bit. But if something does happen down the road where that happens to change for whatever reason, I've made the expectations of what we do and what we, you know, are willing to do very clear with everybody in my mag. And I discuss that with them regularly. Whenever something comes up, it's, you know, here's where we'll draw the line. Here's what we can do and what we won't do as a group. And if somebody were to cross that, then it's simply a matter of going, look, you agreed to these standards and then you decided to go against them. I think it's time for you to step away. Right. As long yeah. as they're. So like when you have that accountability and those limits set forward ahead of time and very clear within the group then when it comes time that somebody decided that they didn't want to follow that at least then it's well understood what happened yeah uh, i guess you know Good same point. thing if you know somebody were to quit per se um and then, you know, an emergency happens and all of a sudden they show up their gate. They're like, oh, I, I was just kidding. I actually still want to be part of this mag because I know you still got it. <laughs> it's funny and, joke, guys. Uh, my joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm really repentant here. I'm at the gate and I'm begging to come back in. Have you got any sort of, like, thought process on that going? Like, obviously it hasn't happened yet, per se, but um, any any thoughts on that? Well, part of what I look into when I'm dealing with all of this is um, a little bit of twofold. If somebody were to show up at the gates per se and say, you know, hey, I'm here, this emergency's happened, they're already there at that point. As long as I know that I have dealt with them previously and that we have that at least mutual respect between us, I can put them into a lesser position and then see if they can redeem themselves from that lesser position, as long as there is still some semblance of trust there, right? Between at least me and that person, if not them and the other members of the group, then I can start working on that with them. Now, this, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I was going to say my last question I just had for you, but it was kind of related to that. Um, Obviously, when you're 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 vetting somebody for the the mag, you know, and, and doing some initial comms and stuff, we're not the federal government. We can't do daily uh, continuous eligibility screening yeah. to these people. So, do you do any sort of background checks with their social media, or do you check them beforehand to make sure they're not going to be willing to quit or willing to like be you know controversial or anything? See, I'm lucky, and I I don't have to get to that point again before I before i introduce any of these people to the mag we have them around for the fires we have them around for you know family dinners and stuff like that and we are around them enough that they become family to us before we introduce them to that and through that there's you know hours and hours hundreds of hours worth of conversations with them you know, learning who they are, what they believe in, how they feel about certain topics, figuring out what bothers them and what, you know, helps them to get through every day. 
And by building those personal relationships first and then having them become a part of the mag, I don't have to worry about vetting them because I've already done it through thousands of hours of conversation. It's just the real. The, the reality is at that point, if they are, uh, you know, you, you've spent that many hours and they are that extended family, regardless of what skills they're bringing or not during a disaster, you're going to lean on each other and they're, you're going to be supporting each other. So whether it's a, a you know, formal structured mag or just the people that you're going to lean on and count on and vice versa, I don't really see a huge difference between the two. So, uh, you know, to, well, once they're already in his family, vetting, like you said, is kind of a moot point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, we've got another uh, good question here in the live chat from William. Uh, and he just asks, what areas of expertise would be the first ones you look at for uh, creating your mag? If we want to go down that rabbit hole. I'd love to. Um, because I actually started uh, doing exactly that while helping people out. Because what I started with was, you know, a person's individual interests, what they were passionate about or wanted to get into. And then once I had developed that, of course, I'm not just going to sit there. So I start looking at, you know, your basic preps, somebody who's interested in handling food, somebody who's interested in fire building. And then I'll throw out, you know, hey, are you interested in learning, you know, about medical? I have all this information that I can provide you. And then I'll give them the opportunity to study it. I'll ask questions. If I were involved in this situation, you know, what do you recommend that I do? Have you learned anything about that? Um, one of my MAG members decided that he wanted to take a particular interest into um, food development and procurement. And he sat down um, and over the span of close to three months, he went through and figured out exact calculations on uh, calories required to survive in any different activity levels for a single person per day. And then he um, took that further and decided, okay, what is like what? Uh, different fruits and vegetables do you have to grow to equal out these calorie balances? What would each person have to carry with them? What is able to be scavenged in our local area to help provide that? And he just went crazy with it. I still don't know half of what he learned. He's That covers our food for our mag as long as he's around. And then he's working on um, giving that information to other people to help them now. Whereas I also made sure that um, communications was covered. I started taking my ham radio course. I got another um, buddy in my mag who's also now taking his ham radio course and wants to build about a $6,000 backpack setup out of it. I think he's crazy, but he's... That's not crazy. Crazy like a fox. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wadley watches that video I'm about to mention there. <laughs> yep. That $6,000 backpack's turning into at least a $12,000 backpack after that. Video. Oh, I know. <laughs> right? So it's just, you start picking out, you know, what are all the interesting things and what are all the important things that you need for a survival scenario? Figure out one person in your group who would be interested in 
learning that one topic and work one-on-one -on -one with them to help develop that topic. Food, medical, communications, shelter building, fire building, water purification, anything that you might need to survive in austere scenarios. And then once each person learns at least one of those, put them into group situations just over, you know, chat groups or what have you, if they can't do it in person and give them the opportunity to both of them work together at that same task to help implant that information to the second person in the group. And eventually everybody will have at least a basic knowledge of what's going on with one person in your group being, you know, a group specialist in it. Um, in the uh, the book by Halfass, the Lights Out EMP scenario, uh, this whole neighborhood is coming together dealing with survival and creating uh, systems to meet everyone's needs. And it's really interesting to speak to your point, Darius, where they sort of say, okay, we need someone who knows about farming and we need an understudy so that that expertise gets passed on and carried on so that exactly what you're describing can sort of have that that expertise diffused so that uh, there's not a single point of failure for the group if something happens to the farmer guy or the medical guy or the radio guy. Um, so I see tremendous value in in sort of you're right sharing those interests and and spreading that knowledge. And again, a lot of that just starts off with me kind of subtly pulling the strings behind everyone going, you know, our group doesn't have anybody that I'm aware of that knows about this topic. So I'll research it enough to have an idea of what the topic is if I don't already have a little bit of an interest in it. And then I'll go, hey, you know, I found this interesting. Do you want to look into it further for me? See what you can find out. And I'll just poke a little bit every couple days to see you know what they've learned new and eventually they're studying it just as intently as i was well and i i think if you if you meet people who are like-minded in terms of wanting the ability to be self-sufficient if, if that's sort of a good description of what a prepper is wanting the ability to be self-sufficient or have a group be self-sufficient i think everyone is interested in gaining that knowledge and when you plant that seed saying, ooh, this is something we should probably know about as our group. Huh. And yeah, hopefully someone jumps on it and says, oh, that's kind of cool. I'd, I'd like to learn about that and runs with it. Yeah, especially when somebody's got a pet hobby that they're, they've are they always kind of wanted to pursue but haven't had the time, but they just need a little push. It's just a nice thing, right? Yeah. That sounds like excellent leadership. And to answer Eric's um, comment here about the good friend of his in the chat there, at the end of the day, you can't know everything that's going on with everybody around you. And in a situation like that, where things do start to get out of hand, just remember you have the rest of your mag with you at that point or around you. So it's not just you dealing with the situation anymore. Yeah, talk I think to just, them, figure out what they determine as well. For the uh, podcast listeners, just uh, Eric had written, or 
uh, Eric F. Sorry, had written. Uh, I agree, Darius. However, when push comes to shove, you really never know. When this last uh, SHTF event happened, the uh, disease of unknown origin, uh, a good friend of his turned out to be not so much. So, yeah, I think a lot of people act differently when they're under stress. Uh, various sorts, right? It doesn't take just a you know a, a global emergency. It could be just a localized mm-hmm. one too. That before somebody just loses their mind and turns into somebody you don't recognize, right? Yeah, and you never know how somebody is going to react to that stress until they're under it. Right? You can plan for that over and over and over with your with your mag, but until you're actually in a high stress situation, you honestly don't know how everybody's going to react. And some are just going to do the opposite of what you've practiced the entire time. So you have to be ready for that. And then it just comes down to you know sometimes you have to call the tough shot and just say, yeah. you know, hey, I don't think this is going to work anymore. I think you need to find something else. Yep. And in everything that you do in life, there's going to be people where you just, that it comes to that. There's no other option for you that you can determine. And it's just a you know call that has to be made. But one exactly. thing to keep in note with that is that when you're working with a mag or a large group, don't make decisions like that on your own talk to the other people who you trust who are involved with the situation and determine if they agree with your decision, make it as a group, and then it's a unanimous decision. Yeah. Nothing will divide the group faster than one person calling all the shots and not uh, not having that discussion with everybody else first. Yeah, it's got to be a cheerleading squad versus a cheerleadership yeah. is what you're saying? Oh, uh, you got uh, it. <laughs> yeah, so actually that, that brings it back to, uh, yep, that's me. I had another question. Is like one main leader or multiple leaders broken into the area of expertise or experience. Um, yeah, I think Darius nailed it there. I think, uh, you know, by the same token that, you know, uh, decisions made by committee usually don't get made, but sometimes you need a little bit uh, of, a, of a directive personality, but by the same token, you can't always be that guy. Yeah. And as far as just, you know, directly leading, I hate to lead, but when nobody else was making a decision, I step up and go, you know, this is what I think we should be doing. What is your guys' opinion? And then somebody else makes the decision based off what their opinion is. And then I just delegate. I try not to make any decisions myself, if at all possible, unless it's super important and nobody else is willing to make that decision. I'll step up and I'll take the fall for whatever the, you know, decision is. But otherwise, I'll, you know, make a couple suggestions and have other people step up and take the lead to follow through with whatever they feel is needed. Well, not just that. I think although some time critical to you, sometimes you have to step up and make that decision. But um, and one thing I actually didn't write down that I was going to ask your opinion on too. Uh, what about financial outlays or something? Have you guys got some sort of agreed upon, like, Hey, if I run across a deal on leather for working, you know, for for my <laughs> humongous mask, um, like, yeah, like, uh, do you guys have like some sort of uh, an agreement or kind of an informal thing where, like, if I find a big sheet of leather and you know I pay for it, are you going to reimburse me or should I just eat it or what's the plan? Yeah, we were discussing stuff like that all the time. Um, so, like, when it comes down to reloading ammo for instance, everybody in my mag kind of pooled together to help me get the materials that I need to reload. And since I know the calibers that everybody has for their firearms, I help to reload for their firearms as well. And then I'll go to the range with them, do load development with them and just keep a stockpile to help everybody else. And then they pitch in for consumables for uh, that reloading as well. So in everything we do, whether it be, you know, leather working, 
I cover, or I'll help to cover materials, they help to cover the working, or whatever other projects we have going on, and we just bounce back and forth off of each other, or we'll put in a pool together to get something that will benefit all of us. I just wanted to, uh, just to go back for just a second to the whole leadership thing. I would, I would think that, and I mean, you can't generalize, but I think that if you were, if you were the instigator, let's say, um, in putting a mag together, um, I think that a lot of people would look to you as, as kind of a leader or, or in a leadership type role. And I, I do agree that, that everything should be kind of laid out on the table, especially really important decisions, um, to let the group, you know, have a, have a say in regards to, to what's going to happen. Um, but if I think maybe if somebody was um, thinking about putting together a mag and, and was kind of going to be in that leadership role that they should do some research in regards to um, being a leader and uh, some of the some of the characteristics that a, a good leader uh, would have and, and the way they would go about leading a group. Yeah, I agree. Um, and one of the things that I implement is that usually about once a year or once every eight months or so, I'll put it to a vote with my group of my main people who I support with. Do you like the direction that we're going? Is there something that you think should be changed? Do one of you want to step up and start calling the shots for a little while? Right? Do you Can you think of something that you know you would like to do differently? And invariably lately, it's fallen back to me a lot, but just offering that for them to step up and them to, you know, be the one who's learning and making the decisions for a bit. I am more than welcome for any of them to step up and do so. Anybody in my group. So if, if you Sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was going to say, everybody on the panel here, like I'm just looking at the panel right now and I'm like, uh, it's not just a prepper thing. I think it's also a, a job thing. Like everybody on the panel here has a job that requires a certain amount of self-startership, right? Like, uh, and I think that so there's kind of like a built-in desire to like herd the cats, so to speak, you know, sometimes when it comes to the, the prepping thing. So, you know, like I, I think that's uh, it's part of the mentality of preparedness. So I think it, it comes as a natural thing where if you're trying to assemble Meg and you are the preparedness-minded guy, you're going to likely assume a, a, at least a, a minor or major leadership role no matter what happens just because the, not everybody has that mindset, right? And so I think it's just a natural progression from there. But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, I was just going to make a joke. I was going to ask oh. Darius. I was going to ask Darius if he got voted out. Did he have to give up the uh, assless chaps? <laughs> no, no. I think I think that you get to keep those at that point. So. You get to keep them at that point. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Does anyone else really want them at that point? <laughs> Good point. I I do like the idea that. Um, you, you take the time to develop other members' leadership skills and abilities as well, because some who come into the group might not have those to begin with, right? So they come into the group wanting to be part of a group, but they don't necessarily have the, the knowledge or the confidence to lead. So if you kind of say, hey, I'll step back for a second, I'll be your safety net. You know, I, I've been leading the group for however long, but if you want to step up and, and take on that role for a while, I'll be over here on the side. So if, you know, you stumble, you fall, you trip or something, or you need some guidance, I'll help you out, but putting people in that role and kind of having them step out of their comfort zone for a bit is is a good thing as well. Yeah, and I make sure that I bring up and make the point to everybody in my group that I am 100% expendable as far as this group goes. We never know if, you know, tomorrow I get hit by a bus and I'm no longer around 
and I make sure that, you know, they have the abilities to keep our group going, even if I'm not there calling the shots. What you're describing uh, evokes memories of me from uh, university and a lot of the extracurricular groups where you have to do exactly that. You have to develop that leadership in other people. It's a very short turnaround if, if you only have people in for a couple of years and then they're graduating out. And if you don't build that leadership and sort of create that skill set in others, uh, the you know, whatever the, the team club group is, it's going to flounder uh, in the future. So this is just kind of the grown-up version of that, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing that's also developed in uh, military circles um, where you have teams, and as long as your team knows the objective and you have some sort of chain of command, even if the you know team leader is killed or injured, the next person knows that they need to step up and continue on with that mission. And it's important to have that defined too in your group so that they know if, if this happens, this is how we, what we fall back to and, and how things are going to operate. And it's important to kind of plan for that because inevitably it's, it's going to happen. Somebody in your group is going to unexpectedly leave for whatever reason. And you need to kind of paint the picture of here's what we're going to do. Uh, to pick up and carry on. Uh, I'd like to put a question to uh, to the panel here. Uh, Darius, your model of a bag is very formal. I mean, you know, we're sort of paralleling military structure with the chain of command. Uh, I look at it, I look at mags as a very informal thing where I'm just trying to get to know all of my neighbors, all of my friends and acquaintances, find out what their interests are, um, and sort of share those mutual interests. And when I sort of you know, hit it off with someone and like, yeah, I think the world's kind of going downhill. I want the ability to look after myself and my family. And, you know, um, I look at a mag much more informally. So my question to the panel is on this big spectrum of a, a formal command chain structure mag to an informal group of like-minded people, you know, buddy of mine who I consider part of my mags, like, Oh, so-and-so's furnace crapped out. We need to find a bunch of space heaters. What do you got? And, you know, it's just sort of a much more informal thing. Where do you guys sort of see mags or your mag sort of on that, that spectrum from, um, from either end. As far as sources go, or like are places to start one, or is that what you mean? No, in terms of what you envision a mag being, um, you know, if it's a more formal structure or if it's a uh, just an informal thing where it's just a lot of interpersonal networking and knowing people, and uh, there's no reason you can't sort of help them develop their skills and interests, as, as Darius was describing, but. It also doesn't have to be a you know a group meeting on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. I mean, Dave uh, points out a good one: is uh, that he founds an organic magazine in the local church, like-minded people who are willing to share support and members of a community. I think, yeah, if you went up to the front of a church during service and said, "Hey, uh, you're all part of my mag now. Welcome," <laughs> you know. So when the sh you know, shit hits the fan, you're you're in. Uh, that obviously would not, not go over well, right? But uh, by the same token, though, it's yes, by having that basis of community and, and 
you know, I guess you've known them beforehand, it's going to help long term. I think for myself, yeah, it's less less formal uh, by nature because um, a lot of people, if you mention the word preparedness or anything like that, they and there's a generation issue there as well. So most of my neighbors, for example, I can't really start talking about that stuff yet, but I have got them into the mode of well, between the egg sales and the campfires and, you know, drinks at the fence line during COVID and all this other stuff, we've managed to kind of form a loose-knit community. We all know each strengths and weaknesses. There's one guy's local handyman and so on and so on. And, you know, I'm the animal guy. And, uh, yeah, so, like, we, we all know, like, uh, who's got what and, and what we can do. But um, it's much more uh, casual than Darius has set up, uh, I guess, just by nature, because not everybody's on board with the same ideas. But, yeah. Um, and also, I think I, I think I've run into what three preparedness minded guys in Nanaimo. One moved away to Kelowna. Thanks, Carmen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, but uh, yeah, no. So it, it's tougher for me, I guess, because it's I got less of a pool to draw from. Like we're in an un- unincorporated area versus a larger city, so I guess the the pickings are going to be slimmer, right? Yeah. And one thing I will bring up about that as well is that, um, and the reason I started with that. I have what I call is the nested mag. I have a very, very formal structure with the main six people who I communicate with and have that structure built with that they can take over at a moment's notice if something's happening. Between the six of us, we have um, roughly nine to 12 external people who I would also consider a more informal mag. They don't know that fact, but they're people who I'm also communicating with and helping to develop their skills. I just wouldn't necessarily, you know, plan all of our resources with those individual people. Instead, I have them know that, you know, if there's an emergency, come to me, my group will take care of you. And then we can put their skills to use. And with them, it's all very informal. I don't talk to them about anything that has to do with, you know, necessarily preparedness, but with all of their individual skills. Yeah, I'm, I'm more on the informal side of things as well. Um, just, I, I, like I said, I like Darius's way of just kind of slowly working people into the group until they, they don't realize that they're in the group and then all of a sudden, ha, surprise, we're all in a mag now. Uh, <laughs> and you can't get out your stuff. Yeah, doesn't that just mean Jeff is going to steal all your stuff? Yes, no, he's not in my mag. That's yeah, a no. difference. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> see, I know where my threats are in the area. It's Jeff. So he doesn't know that there is another group of people that I'm building up silently to fight against him. Yeah. Do not they, tell they use him. his picture at the, at the, at the knife th- or the axe throwing <laughs> range and everything else, right? So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, more, I, I'm more on the, the informal side of things as well. Um, I, I do see where the formal side with, you know, structure and reporting structure and that kind of thing would be very useful, especially in a, a stressful type of situation. Uh, but for me right now, the, the more informal way kind of works best. But there's pros and cons of both setup, right? Well, and I think Melissa nails it here too. She says your mag should be able to go through good times and bad with each other. So communication is important and even more when should happen. So that's true. Like even if somebody just like, child gets sick, whatever, and he can help out by babysitting the other child or whatever, like, you know, while they take them to the hospital or something. That's a huge community-building event as well. Like, so it doesn't always have to be, like, preparing for disaster. It could just be helping them out when they're in need and and not so much gaining, like, a favor or gaining, like, a good reputation, but just, like, building that teamwork, right? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and I, I think it's a whole lot easier to recruit people into an informal mag when you're just like, yeah, look at all these news articles about the world going to crap. I kind of want to be able to, you know, look after myself. But I think you're right, Darius, in that having a little more formal structure, when things flip and there is a need for that chain of command and that organizational continuity uh, as, a, as a group, as an organization. Um, so I think having a head start on that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. I'll agree with that. But I, I yeah. do like having the, I like the idea of having that, that smaller, tight knit group, those people that, you know, will have your back in a, in a situation that, you know, could pot like a really bad situation. I, I think that stems from, it, it could stem from a bad place. It stems from fear. And that is that, you know, I have family, I have small children, you know, it's like, <clears throat> I don't want a large group that are uh, knowledgeable about my inner workings, I guess. Like, I, I want that tight knit group that, you know, if, if like we were talking about before, if somebody had to be kicked out of the group, um, you know, I want that tight knit group that's going to have my back in case that person decides to come back. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And like I was talking about those uh, 12 or so people who I have kind of in my extended mag, I consider all of them to be dependents of me, for lack of a better term. You know, family members, kids, all those kind of things. I want to make sure that no matter what happens, regardless of where I am or what condition I'm in, those specific individual people are taken care of and somebody else will be looking out for them even if I'm not right there. And that's kind of why I built this nested mag so that I have and I'm working with everybody as a group, but I have one dedicated team that I can rely on to make sure that everybody else in the mag is safe. I do like that, that you have a, a very structured set for your six main people and then everybody else is kind of informal. I'm not sure that I would do that here where I am, but I understand why you've done it that way. And I think it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, it's completely situationally dependent. A good friend will help you move. A really good friend will help you move a body. So that inner circle Absolutely. of six. <laughs> <laughs> and they won't ask questions. That's right. No have long glass. Who's currently driving? I need lie, a shovel, and two flashlights. Don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> I got a pickup truck. <laughs> and then all I you have to do is and then all you have to do is say a word and people are already procuring resources. It's all about knowing what resources you have available to in your group. Brad's got a pickup truck. Perfect. So we need a soap maker for the lie then is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, I didn't drink my club. We what should probably not plan this out on a live stream. <laughs> 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 it's all theoretical. This is how people get caught real yeah. easy. <laughs> actually, fun, fun side story for a second. Actually, uh, 12 of the steam people that were, in, were uh, involved with the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot were FBI agents. 
so, nice. so 12 of them got four of them busted. It was actually kind of funny. So which one of you two are feds or three or four? Well, clearly we know Brad is because he's a robot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently I am. I'm the left wing prepper, so I may as well be a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Oh boy! I thought that was Ian. Yeah, yeah I thought Ian was the unicorn. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Totally the unicorn. <laughs> you know, you know what I didn't say in my what I've done lately for preps, right? Leave your yep. assless chats out of this. I don't want it. CGN. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Gotta sneak that in there. Anyway, uh, we got anything left on that one? For Darius's notes, I, don't think I was just gonna well, see if anybody else that. on the panel has anything um, else they want to put in. Or? Oh, I know what we forgot to mention. Alan would be really sad that we didn't. Oh, what was it? I forget. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. Next episode. Oh, <laughs> well, there it is. As luck there it is. <laughs> Eric says uh, some people have money, some people have time. Put ego aside for the group, and those that are leaders will lead. And when push time comes to shove, the leaders will. Lead and brandish the CO detectors. Boom. <laughs> there you go. One hour, twelve Ooh. minutes, fifty seconds. There Point Eric F. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good way to uh, exit the main topic and uh, enter into the podcast challenge. All right. For the podcast challenge this week, uh, reach out to a potential mag member, which is a neighbor, coworker, ham radio club, maybe acquaintance, who knows, and offer to help if they're in a bind or host a campfire. Good idea, Darius. Uh, see where it takes you. Awesome. Uh, upcoming events. What do we got on the list? Well, the only thing we have left really is uh, Attack on Canada, September 9th to 11th, coming up soon in the SOG, as the locals say. Uh, attackoncanada.com uh, probably the last chance to see a tactical gun show before the handgun ban or anything else so yeah give her a whirl at the international center Great. and uh, Jeff left us hanging tonight he decided he didn't feel like uh, showing up so no weather blurb from Jeff this evening there's no weather this week no, there's just no weather it's simple as that Yeah. <laughs> we'll move into the deal of the week Okay, so I managed to find a decent deal going on at Canadian Tire right now um, that's perfect for that uh, backyard barbecue suggestion. Um, they have what's called an outbound uh, campground cookout starter kit. Um, it comes with a um, gas stove um, as well as full cutlery um, plate set, regular $200. It's currently on sale for $140. Nice. Does it come with chaps? Oh. No. I just okay. looked at the picture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move in the shout out, shall we? Okay. I'd like to give a shout out first off to Dave for being willing to come onto the podcast with us and allow us to answer his questions about uh, starting and building a mag and connecting with people. Um, and I'd like to give a shout out to. Uh, my personal inner circle, Shadow, Nari, Tucci, Lex, and Bear. And um, I would like to give them thanks for believing in my ability to lead them, although I'm sure that they question that decision daily by this point. <laughs> I, want a, I want a cool nickname, too. I was yeah. going to say, I'm, I'm going to shout out Darius for the impressive gray man. I'm pretty sure none of those nicknames would be Googleable and find anything. 
Well, well done, Darius. You're well, correct. Yeah. Challenge accepted. Yeah, I was going to say, you get a lot of Stanley Tucci, I guess, in all of his movies. That's what it. That, that's true. That's true. Um, I'm going to shout out uh, Bill, a buddy of mine from uh, from my mag, who is helping me with some calm stuff and some supply procurement and uh, joined us in the chat today. So good seeing you, buddy. Awesome. I uh, got a quick shout out for the S2 Underground YouTube channel. And uh, thanks to Darius for finding this one. So it's a great video on HF uh, in prepper-related emergencies. And he kind of goes outside the box on like, a bit of his thinking. And he you know, does a little bit of a disclaimer to begin with. But uh, non-standard format. And it's actually definitely worth the watch. So 50 minutes, watch it at one and a half times speed. You'll be done in 35. And uh, yeah, it's worth your time. Yeah, it's, uh, there's some interesting topics uh, that he covers in there for sure. Uh, do a quick shout out to uh, listener Darren, still completing podcast challenges. So got uh, episode 172 challenge completed. Uh, quick reminder on that, it was find a skill and practice it. And uh, his skill was Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So uh, thanks for still hammering out the, uh, the podcast challenges. Very impressive. Just send him some ass to the chaps. <laughs> oh boy. Well, with that, I'll bring episode number 173 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Please help us out, submit a review. It uh, does help other people find us. And we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. It gives you an alert when we're going live. And you can contact me at batbradcpp at gmail.com. We love all your feedback, uh, and I'm not responsible enough to have my own email address, so just send it to feedbackandprepperpodcast.ca. I might send it to him. We'll see. I don't really want it. <laughs> Can't and if anybody's... Voltage. And if anybody's trying to get a hold of me, feel free to pop over to the Discord app, and I'm on there daily answering questions all the time. Uh, you can check me out at Wellsby Roots on YouTube. Awesome. Looks like Ian's frozen. Looks like it. Yeah, that's for sure. Oh, oh, Am I still back now? Maybe he's oh, the there he is. There you go. There he is. Hello. Oh, there he is. Oh. There you go. Okay, how about, I'll just kill the video. That should help, maybe. Anyways, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theunderretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast, which is on iTunes and YouTube, recording Monday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'm in the Discord chat for both CPPs as well. Email us if you want an invite. And then you can find us discussing why government waste in society wants me to assemble my mag into its final form. Nice. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, please check out uh, Rapid Survival, rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat. You can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, Thanks for joining us this evening. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs> <laughs>